The strict lockdown announced last March was followed by an increase in violence against women and girls by cis men and particularly violence in the ostensibly sacred and safe space of the home. Today we'll ask how can domestic violence be prevented and women be supported? I'm your host Abhishek and Poonam Kathuria and Jashoda Rana join us today on Research Radio to discuss their efforts to prevent domestic violence and support survivors. Jashoda Rana is a counselor with the Violence Prevention and Support Cell at the Community Health and Referral Hospital in Radhanpur, Gujarat. She works with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. Poonam Kathuria is the founder and director of the Society for Women's Action and Training Initiatives, Swati. Poonam has over 25 years of experience in leadership roles working for the prevention of gender-based violence, women's empowerment and leadership. So the public health system is supposed to provide girls and women with care and rehabilitation besides documenting and providing evidence of the violence. We'll explore how the system can be improved based on Swati's article Making Rural Healthcare System Responsive to Domestic Violence. Notes from Patan in Gujarat. It's outside a paywall and I recommend reading it. Also, this is a heads up that this conversation was conducted in both English and Hindi, um but we have provided an English translation to people who aren't well versed with Hindi. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Poonam and Jashoda. Okay, thank you very much. Aapka bhi dhanyawad. So, could we start by understanding why domestic violence is not seen as a public health issue? Maybe you can go first, Poonam. So, you have a a very very broad the legal and policy framework in place but however within the country the legislative and policy framework which with explicit direction for the health sector we don't have a definite road map so for example we don't have enough resources allocated for the health sector or for the medical professionals for their training or for their technical support the nursing curriculum or the medical cur- curriculum for example does not talk about domestic violence as a health issue there is no training for medical professionals on how to probe for violence and then to support women for for finding uh, solutions that sort of uh, for for finding resolution to the, that to that violence so there are issues there but on another note also we also uh, are very well aware that there are enough studies in india which were established conclusively that domestic violence affects physical mental sexual and reproductive health of women among married women in india who experience spousal physical or sexual violence one fourth have been observed to have sustained some kind of an injury in a study which uh, was happened in 2013 this was very well brought out and so public health system while has emerged as one of the critical sites across the world and in india for addressing domestic violence most efforts in india on you know eliciting a health sector response have come more from the non profit sector than from you know from the and then from the government or policy being policy driven right right और जशोदा यह कैसे मदद करता है कि ये सपोर्ट सेल एक सरकारी हॉस्पिटल में लोकेटेड है क्या इसका रीच बदल सकता था कि अगर यह एक एनजीओ के ऑफिस में या एक पुलिस स्टेशन में या एक कोर्ट रूम में लोकेटेड होता हाउ डज इट हेल्प दैट द वायलेंस एंड वायलेंस प्रिवेंशन एंड सपोर्ट सेल इज लोकेटेड इनसाइड अ गवर्नमेंट हॉस्पिटल वर्सेज से एन एन ऑफिस और पुलिस स्टेशन और कोर्ट रूम हॉस्पिटल में सेल होने की वजह से एक तो ये है कि महिला जो आती है वो आसानी से आती है उसको करने करने से मान लो कि महिला ये बोलती है कि मेरे को पेट में दर्द है या सर दर्द है तो आसानी से उसको परमिशन भी मिल जाती है और हॉस्पिटल में होने की वजह से 
उसको और भी दिक्कत नहीं होती है मान लो कि उसको अगर हम एनजीओ के तौर पे काम करते होते हैं तो घर में ये लगता है एनजीओ के पूछती है कि मुझे उस संस्था में जाना है तो उसको जाने नहीं देते कि ये बोलते हैं कि केस करने के लिए जाएगी ये जाएगी तो और उसको भी डर लगता है कि मैं वहां पे जाऊंगी तो मेरे पीछे कोई आएगा मुझे जाने नहीं देगा तो परमिशन उस घर से परमिशन लेने में ही उसको दिक्कत आती है और हॉस्पिटल में होने के वजह से वो कोई भी बहाना करके हॉस्पिटल में आती है और दूसरा ये है कि उसको यहाँ पे फ्री ये जो भी सर्विसेज मिलती है वो बिना खर्च के मिलती है और यहाँ आती है तो कोई उस पर शक नहीं करता पहला ये है कि हॉस्पिटल में सेल में बैठी है तो रिलेटेड भी देखते हैं तो ये मानते हैं कि ये कोई ट्रीटमेंट के लिए आई होगी तो ये हॉस्पिटल में होने से सबसे ज्यादा फायदा महिला का है और दूसरा हमें जो सपोर्ट चाहिए कि उसको हेल्थ का इश्यू होता है तो उसको यहाँ से एडवाइस भी मिलती है और हेल्थ की जो ट्रीटमेंट होती है वो भी उसको मिल जाती है सो so, जैसा कहना है कि हॉस्पिटल बेस्ड सेल इज अ वेरी इजी फॉर अ वुमन टू अप्रोच एज कम्पेयर टू लेटर से सेल विच इज बेस्ड इन अ पुलिस स्टेशन और इन अ कोर्ट एंड दैट इज बिकॉज अ वुमन कैन वेरी इजिली कम टू अ हॉस्पिटल सेइंग शी नीड्स ट्रीटमेंट फॉर समथिंग और वेरी ऑफन वेन शी फेसेज इंजरी द फैमिली इज ऑल्सो फर्स्ट टू ब्रिंग द वुमन टू द हॉस्पिटल वेर इज दे मे नॉट अलाउ हर टू गो टू द पुलिस और फाइल अ केस इन द कोर्ट सो टू दैट एक्सटेंट अ हॉस्पिटल बेस्ड सेल इज रिलेटिवली इजी फॉर वेमेन and this data uh, what jasu is saying from experience is also corroborated by nfhs 2015 16 data where a question was asked to the women around decision making and 26% women said that they could go to a hospital uh, without taking anybody's permission as compared to only 10% women who said they could go to their maternal family without taking permission so to that extent you know the ability to reach a cell we have one case which uh, which i have only from radhanpur only where which jasu told me that this woman came to the cell saying uh, i i need your help but I, and I, my husband is standing outside i told him i i need to get medicine so i'm just saying this is the kind of instances that we find in a hospital and apart from that of course when you're based in a hospital based cell coordination with the health system becomes much easier and we can get her mental health treatment we can refer her to various places and there is a legitimacy of the cell right right that example really shows how important it is for care and redress to be accessibly located a multiple studies show that violence by an intimate partner is the most common form of domestic violence could you expand on this and and how it affects uh, efforts to end domestic violence uh, what makes it very difficult for in india to uh, combat domestic violence and work is because uh, in india marriage is a, a is a contract or a, is something that's for keeps it's a lifetime thing women uh, are conditioned to be subservient to men men women are conditioned to feel that they have to listen to their husbands and in fact again nfhs report tells us that 56% women believe that it is all right for a husband to beat a wife if she is at fault in fact lesser men believe that 48% men said that it is all right for a man to beat if a, if a spouse is at fault meaning a woman is at fault so this and, and then of course the social and cultural milieu in which women live there is very little support for a woman facing domestic violence and for her to end that relationship so, and and then of course you have the structural barriers of women owning no property women having less literate women having less access to resources and education which is what actually then uh, what i would like to call a creates a helplessness quotient for women to continue in those marriages or those abusive relationships and it that makes it sometimes very very difficult to get out or put an end to the violence that she's facing yahan pe hamare yahan sata pata jo hota hai to sata pata ki wajah se jo usko support system jo hota hai 
तो महिला की तरफ से वो सपोर्ट सिस्टम नहीं होता है जो कुछ भी होता है उसमें ज्यादातर महिलाओं को ही गुनेगर माना जाता है कुछ भी होता है तो तुमने ठीक से किया नहीं होगा इसीलिए तुम्हारे साथ ये सब हो रहा है जैसे कि फॉर एग्जाम्पल कि महिला के साथ पति के द्वारा सेक्सुअल वायलेंस होता है तो वो किसी के बात करती है तो उसको सीधा ये बताया जाता है कि पति शादी करके तुम्हें इस, इसके लिए तो लेके जाता है so jaisa i said it very well i think uh, the challenges that we face in the in the context of ending violence is that mostly it happens in the intimate in intimate relationships uh, in the context of certain communities particularly in the area of radhanpur we have what is called the sata pata which is exchange marriages where a brother and sister are married off to the other brother and sister now these kind of marriages if something happens within one marriage the issue is that the other marriage will also break i mean how do you resolve the conflict of violence because uh, the marriage of another family also is at stake so some of these become uh, jasus challenges to prevent violence against women right and and can we focus on um, swati specifically and the kind of journey that it's had to establish the first violence prevention and support center located in gujarat's uh, radhanpur town So violence against women is a primary objective for Swati and very early in our journey we realized that unless you work on violence you don't actually question the patriarchal structures of society and that's how very early on we started working with the community on violence prevention initiatives one of our earlier initiatives was setting up of these mahila nyay panchayats which are gender just platforms under women's leadership which support women to uh, end abuse or uh, women who are facing uh, violence and abuse so very soon we realized that when women women who faced injuries went to the doctors the case papers often did not most of the time never mention the injury and later when a women had to, a woman had to go to the court her case paper did not she had no proof of having faced that abuse earlier on so very early we the mahila nyay panchayats realized the importance of what we would call a medical legal report which can support women and that was our first brush with the health system because when a woman asked for a doctor to mention injury or violence in her case papers he made it seem like uh, an issue of the poor women or the backward women or backward communities however if we accompanied them it became easier for us to to get the medical legal report from the doctors so that's how we understood the importance of of a health sector response and secondly we also realized uh, that domestic violence affects women's health and women's health actually uh, poor health further perpetuates domestic violence on her and so that's how we started looking at a health sector response to violence against women so we approached the state government with the with the proposal of setting up a cell and we chose radhanpur because we had presence there we knew the community there so the first cell was set up in 2016 this was a partnership with the department of uh, health and family welfare and the cell was to be run jointly by the department and swati and swati had the permission to do capacity building of the doctors and the nurses in that hospital so in that sense i think this is one of the first formal rural health sector response initiative at that time in the in the country the cell uh, is linked up to to the helplines uh, and the cell itself is a it also collaborates with the one stop crisis centers which are set up by uh, the department of women and child development right right और लॉकडाउन के समय में जब डोमेस्टिक वायलेंस बढ़ रहा था सपोर्ट सेंटर्स का क्या रिस्पांस था ड्यूरिंग द लॉकडाउन हाउ डिड सपोर्ट सेंटर्स रिस्पॉन्ड लॉकडाउन में uh, यहाँ पे हमारा हमारा सेल बंद था पर महिलाओं को फोन फोन काउंसलिंग हम फोन के जरिए महिलाओं को साथ फॉलोअप कर रहे थे और कई सारी महिलाओं के पास हमारे फोन नंबर भी थे तो उसके माध्यम से महिला लॉकडाउन की वजह से क्या हुआ है ना महिला घर पे थी उसका हसबैंड भी घर पे था तो वायलेंस बहुत सारा बढ़ गया था उस टाइम क्योंकि वो घर से बाहर नहीं निकल पा रही थी 
वो हॉस्पिटल आ रहे आ सकती थी ना पुलिस स्टेशन जा सकती थी तो उस टाइम हम फोन के माध्यम से उसको वन एट वन का फिर पुलिस का जो भी उसको सपोर्ट चाहिए था वो हम फोन के माध्यम से घर पे बैठे ही उसको मदद दे रहे थे और फोन काउंसलिंग कर रहे थे और जब लॉकडाउन खत्म हुआ तब जो पहले हमारे केसेस जो थे वो महीने में बारह या ग्यारह का वो रेंज रहता था लॉकडाउन जब पूरा हुआ तब जून में ही मानो के इक्कीस केस जो आए थे और केस का जो स्वरूप है वो भी ज्यादातर महिला के साथ क्या हुआ था कि सेक्सुअल वायलेंस बढ़ गया था और वो मानसिक जो वायलेंस है वो भी बहुत बढ़ गया था तो जो वायलेंस का जो टाइप ऑफ वायलेंस होता है ना उसका स्वरूप भी बदल गया और ज्यादा था मतलब बदलने का मतलब ज्यादा so uh, when the lockdown happened we also were locked in our own homes and uh, uh, so jasmin says that we followed up our old clients which we who we felt may be facing violence we started doing phone counseling we followed up on cases and for the month of march and april we did phone counseling and after the cell opened i think somewhere around may and june the number of cases coming to the cell went up from 11 to almost 11 or 12 to to 21 cases in that particular those two months and the the nature and extent of violence was also different in terms of there was much more sexual violence and much more mental violence and it was also very very severe it was much higher in severity mm-hmm. that probably might have also affected swati's approach to address these cases going forward especially since covid is still with us and uh, i wanted to delve deeper into the process of conducting and writing this article specifically uh, which was done before the pandemic hit uh, i wanted to learn about your approach in writing for an academic audience versus a prospective uh, uh, ngo or donor uh, or audience coming from that background so when we set up the cell we were very clear that this is it's something that we are testing out it's something that swati is not a swati project ultimately we want to hand it over to the government to pick it up as a model for application in as a rural health sector response model and with that in mind we sort of kept a uh, very meticulous data in the form of an mis which uh, so which included uh, right from the history of a woman to how the a case uh, progressed how far the women came from what was the age group so so particularly because we were still trying to look at how does a cell which is located in a rural setting and where women are coming from villages some of them came from the farthest case came to us from 80 kilometers away a woman traveled 80 kilometers to approach the cell so we wanted to see that journey of the cell as to how does a woman approach a cell what are the various routes through which she comes to us and all of us we have been constantly documenting to see how do we improve the services of the cell and how do we replicate it further because so it has to be in a way practical and possible in the realm of practical and possible in that sense of the term so the data is constantly analyzed and just to give you an example we looked at data of women who had come in with a second episode of violence so a small subsample of about 37 women we looked at who had come to the cell over a period of 3 years with a second episode of violence and we noticed two things in the first episode the women had come you know between let's say between 6 months from the point of when the violence happened to the point when she approached the cell the period was from 6 months to almost 10 years in the second case when the repeat episode happened the second episode happened all women had come within a frame of 3 years and some of them there were three women who had come on the same day and almost 45% women had approached the cell within one month of the episode happening so for us that actually informed us of the suitability of the location of a cell because women kept on saying that listen it is easy to come to a hospital cell as compared to let's say approach a police station or a cell which is located in a police station or any other setting we also did a uh, satisfaction study where women sort of said that the fact that they felt empowered at the end of the day in the cell 
where they felt strengthened by the counseling and to be able to take steps uh, the counselors had provided the kind of solutions that that made them feel satisfied with the functioning of the cell in radhanpur for example uh, the highest referral is from old cases to me that's also again an indicator that this is a satisfied client who's now referring other women to the cell so these are the small small that, so this data throws up several of these things we never started with saying we would be writing articles in academic journals but at some point in time we started feeling this data needs to come out and we had that data and that's how we started writing this article and that's how we have for example contributed to the epwt mm-hmm. and now uh, just to follow up uh, for our notes from the field segment could you share an experience or two uh, from your work that were particularly insightful kya aap apne field work se ek ya do anubhav bata sakte hain jo bahut mahatvapurna the ek mahila hai jo 40 saal ki mahila hai uske shaadi ko kafi 25 saal aise uske बहुत छोटी थी पंद्रह या बारह साल की थी तब उसकी शादी हो गई थी दो बच्चे भी है और जब भी उसका पति उसको पीटता था मतलब हाथ सफाई गर्दा पाटू तो मारता ही था पर वो तलवार होती है छड़ी होती है उससे भी बहुत बहुत ही उसको बहुत इंजरी एक बार तो उसका कहना है कि मेरा हाथ हाथ उसको इतना मारता था कि उसका हाथ फ्रैक्चर हो जाए या पैर की हड्डी फ्रैक्चर हो जाए और बहुत गहरी इंजरी हो जाती थी तो वो मिनिमम यहाँ हॉस्पिटल में मेरे सेल में आने से पहले सात बार यहाँ पे एमएलसी उसकी रजिस्टर हो चुकी थी और एक बार तो उसके पूरे चार दांत उसका गिरा दिया था और यहीं पे हमारे हॉस्पिटल में ही उसने ट्रीटमेंट लिया था और हर बार उसकी एमएलसी हुई थी पुलिस में जाते वो महाराष्ट्र की थी यहाँ पे उसका कोई नहीं था मतलब ससुराल वाले ही था और आस के लोग उसको छुड़ाने के लिए जाते थे तो शुरू शुरू में तो छुड़ाने के लिए जाते थे और बाद में जैसे जैसे दिन चलते गए तो कोई उसको छुड़ाने के लिए नहीं आता था उसका हस्बैंड जो छुड़ाने के लिए जाता था उसको भी गाली देते थे और आसपास के लोगों को लगता था कि ये तो हर रोज का है ये उसके घर का मामला है हमें उसके बीच नहीं पड़ना चाहिए पुलिस में ये जाती थी तो एनसी लेते थे फिर उसका जामिन लेके उसको छोड़ देते थे फिर उसको ये लगा कि पुलिस भी अब मेरा कुछ करने वाली है नहीं और उसके बिहेव में कोई चेंज ही नहीं आ रहा था जैसे तैसे उसका वायलेंस बढ़ता ही बढ़ता ही जा रहा था लास्ट में जब हमारा सेल शुरू हुआ 2012 में और उस टाइम वो 2013 में शायद आई थी तो उस टाइम भी उसको बहुत मारा था उसका ब्लीडिंग हो रहा था तलवार मारी थी हाथ पे तो बहुत सारा घाव था और उसको यहाँ से ज्यादा ट्रीटमेंट के लिए धारपुर भी भेजा था और उसको मारने की वजह से उसके मेंटल हेल्थ पे भी उसका बहुत ही उसका प्रभाव पड़ा था तो वो बात बात पे रोने लगती थी तो हमने उसको मेंटल हेल्थ के लिए भी रिफर वहाँ से किया था पर उसके बाद उसकी 498 भी फरियाद करवाई और बहुत सारा कुछ उसका कोर्ट में भी उसका केस डाला फिर उसके मायके वाले को बुलाया उसके साथ उसको भी काउंसलिंग किया और उसके मायके वालों ने उसको प्रोटेक्ट किया और यहाँ से वो महाराष्ट्र में लेके गए और उसकी जो वहाँ के नज़दीकी संस्था को कांटेक्ट करके हमने उनको उसके सपोर्ट के लिए भेजा पर उसके बाद उसकी आज तक अभी भी वो उसके डाइवोर्स हुआ फिर उसके बेटे के साथ रहती है और दो साल उसके बाद भी उसके पति के साथ दो साल तो रही थी महिला पर आज तक उसकी कोई एमएलसी नहीं आई गाली गलोच तो होती है पर उसके साथ जो मार पिटाई हो रही थी वो अब नहीं होती है तो ये सब इसीलिए मुमकिन हुआ क्योंकि ये हॉस्पिटल में सेल था और हॉस्पिटल में था तो यहाँ पे उसको रिफर किया गया इसकी वजह से उसको यहाँ पे सपोर्ट मिला था और ये हॉस्पिटल में नहीं होता तो मालूम नहीं कि आज उसके साथ क्या वो जिंदा होती या उसका क्या हुआ होता तो उसकी वजह से आज उसके साथ जो मारपीटाई वायलेंस काफी काफी हद तक रुक गया है 
So uh, this is a very classic example at a case that very often comes to the cell where Salma, this uh, young woman of 35 who got married at 15 and by the age of 35 has two children, was very regularly being severely abused by her husband and she came to the hospital several times and each time it was an MLC, a medical legal case. The doctors noted it on her case papers that she, but she would refuse to do a police complaint because she had no support. Her, her maternal family was in Maharashtra. But this one time when she came, the cell was also there and she had been severely beaten up and the doctor referred her to the cell and then the cell took over and, you know, helped her file a complaint on the 498A, got her mental, uh, got her uh, treated for her mental health issues because she was severely depressed and also got in touch with her family in Maharashtra who then took her back and with the help of another local NGO, they mediated a reconciliation with the husband and while, like Jasu says, the abuse has definitely, uh, the physical abuse has stopped while he still continues to verbally abuse her. So like there are no magic solutions, but this is the kind of cases that come to the cell, which are very, very severe in their, the kind of violence they face. And all of this could be possible. And this also exemplifies the role of the counselor, which is going beyond just counseling. It is that they're getting them medical uh, help, they're getting them uh, legal help, they're getting them mediation support getting in touch with family. So it is also a case of, you know, how do you provide holistic kind of a support so that a woman becomes uh, relatively violence-free in her life? Yes, yes. And I think an undercurrent of this experience is the kind of isolation a woman uh, might experience, uh, particularly in a rural area, which you've written about. Uh, could we uh, understand the differences and similarities in addressing, in addressing domestic violence in uh, urban versus rural contexts? Okay, so the reason for us looking at a rural health sector response as different from an urban, uh, urban uh, from a cell located in an urban setting was that uh, in an urban setting, a hospital-based cell will cater to a population around its area. The urban health sector or health health system is much more centralized. So you have a hospital and then everyone visiting that hospital. If you look at the rural health sector, you have a hospital, but then you have a sub-center, a PHC, and then you have the ASHA worker, the female health worker, or the A&M. So that's a chain. And uh, women sort of follow that chain. And we felt that uh, any effective response in a rural sector has to follow this chain. And we thought of creating this upward referral chain apart from a cell which is located in a hospital setting. So we have sort of started looking at that, okay, women come directly to the cell. But we also realize that rural women, I mean, in, in a rural setting, women are located very far from the location of a town. They are isolated. They don't have information. The community there is very overbearing in terms of preventing her from approaching a cell. And so these barriers can be overcome by what we thought if we could work on an upward referral chain where you have an ASHA at the village level who learns, who identifies women who are facing domestic violence. She may refer that to the PHC or to the AM who in turn can refer her to the to the hospital-based cell. So that's how we sort of started looking at an upward referral chain in a rural setting. And we see the two models as being very different because a rural hospital will cater to a 1 lakh population, which is maybe spread over a radius of 150 kilometers as compared to a urban hospital, which may have a 1 lakh population within a radius of, let's say, 2 kilometers. And so that's how we look at a different model. So we uh, trained ASHA workers for field screening, field level screening of domestic violence based on health symptoms. And we realized that ASHA workers do identify women uh, based through their health symptoms as being probable cases of domestic violence. And in the last three years, our ASHA referrals have gone up 
and uh, we feel that this model may work very well and and organizations that challenge uh, our patriarchal caste status quo are likely to experience resistance from the government and uh, community members as well so this could also lead to limiting and censoring of uh, their work uh, i was interested in learning about how swati has attempted to navigate this resistance and uh, work towards creating grounded and sustainable change so abhishek obviously and uh, domestic violence is something that questions structures it questions patriarchy and it questions the definitions of right and wrong and to that extent we do face opposition at times but one of the strategies or one of the and it was not just a strategy it's also part of a of an ideology that the women's movement in general also took up was that it was it's a movement we work as a collective we work as a, as a united front and one of the very initial things that swati did was to sensitize the community to bring together large scale women's collectives and it is the with the backing of those collectives that we take our violence prevention work so the backlash from the community is very often buffered by the presence of the collective in that sense of the term so it's not just always a single woman when you work in a in a situation like uh, the way the cells function the cells function in the structure of a hospital system and that by itself is its own support a counselor sitting in a hospital setting is in that sense has much more legitimacy compared to let's say an ngo which is working and so we get our legitimacy as an ngo from the collective and the federations or the or the large scale organizations of women that we work with as whereas in the hospital setting it is actually you're working through the government and with the government and i think that has been our advantage and our reason for working with the health sector response because over a period we found that working with systems is much more sustainable as compared to working with individuals so if you want to bring about sustainable change you work through systems so we work with the community system which is the mahila nyay panchayats the gender just committees we work with the health system through the counseling and prevention cells or violence prevention cells and we work with the governance systems in rural areas that is the gram panchayats on violence or on prevention of violence against women so we work through legitimate systems so for example in radhanpur cell the referral by community leaders is almost 4% of the total cases coming to us and uh, i remember one particular response so there was this person she was blind and had been married to this person and uh, so when she got married and came to this village the family didn't have a toilet so she found it very difficult to go out into the open to defecate or because she always either had to be accompanied so she came to the cell and said that this was a problem with her and she was finding it very very difficult to stay on in that marriage because of this so the counselor contacted the panchayat of that village and said that this is the problem so the panchayat in turn contacted the government and they actually got them a small grant for building a toilet in that house and that's how that marriage was resolved so i do think that some of these systems we can help them to respond and sensitize and and make it a part of their role because gram panchayats for example are bodies for peace and harmony in the village and if every woman if one third of the women in a village are facing domestic violence where is the peace and harmony so that's the kind of discussions we start having and when you start having these discussions in the community you actually start redefining right and wrong and the discussion for the first time happens on is violence right or wrong and you start pushing the white boundaries of what is right and what is wrong yes yes and and exactly one of the changes you propose involves sensitizing government members and community members uh, and we've already started talking about this uh, what does sensitization look like and will it actually address uh, deep seated differences in power i think sensitization works with systems where they already have it 
as their part of their mandate or as part of their work uh, of their work definition so let's say for example sensitizing the police because police already has it as a part of their role to prevent violence to help violence that is where i'll talk about sensitizing but in systems where for example in a socio cultural context like family in like communities of india sensitization has a limited value in my head because unless there unless you you change the power structure unless you change the norms of who will get property unless you change laws unless you change the the equation of power unless you empower women unless you give women more power or equal power compared to men that is where sensitization has very limited scope because ultimately then in those situations in uh, you are actually appealing to the sensitive charity kind of a side to men like be kind to women kind of a thing. beyond a point that is not sustainable sensitization is sustainable where structures are there systems are there policies in place and you then call upon those people to say that listen you are supposed to be doing this and this is what kind of a impact it can make if we were to be doing this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so swati has been working on eradicating violence against women for the past two decades how has the organization's approach shifted over time a to begin with i i do see a shift in the way violence is perceived let's say for example when we started in 1994 absolutely no dispute about domestic violence being a crime being wrong and that it is being per- perpetuated on women on a very large scale or or one third of these women are facing it so many women are not of seeking any help so i'm just saying from you know from a point where you say from a point of denial to acceptance is one shift that i see in our own understanding of domestic violence so to me that's a very very big shift the other shift is in women reporting i think a very large number of women are now beginning to report domestic violence they may not be able to do enough about it because you have structural barriers you have uh, lack of support for women and you have uh, you know and women don't have access to incomes so those kind of could be the barriers where women are maybe not finding the resolutions that they need to find but many more women are reporting domestic violence compared to earlier times our approach personally has shifted from working with individuals to working with communities to working with systems to working with health sector response to working with governance response to violence against women that's one kind of approach that has shifted the other shift that has happened and i'm not too happy about is that our advocacy has moved to you know this whole areas of data collection writing articles you know policy level advocacy and i think we need to go back to our community mobilization once again and i think that's the missing piece it needs to come back in a big way and i think that i think i want to get back this particular piece of our earlier approach where we mobilized uh, women in huge numbers and our advocacy happened on based on those numbers and not necessarily on the data numbers but on people numbers actually could you tell us more about this aspect especially since your organization has experience working on both public mobilization and more formal uh, advocacy methods such as data collection report writing and more so we have shifted balance in terms of you know focusing much more on policy data data analysis uh, academic journals and policy through who advocacy through external organizations earlier for example the combination of mobilizing women and uh, to getting the community together i remember in 94 we got together 5000 women and 1000 men in one place and men taking a pledge to 
never commit violence and women are talking about violence in a public space and that's the kind of thing we do less and less and i think that is where so so what's happening is that laws can never bring about social change so we managed to bring about the laws without actually bringing about the social change that we so badly require so you have a policy and you don't have the policy being implemented you you have the number cases of violence continue to go up cases of violence against dalit women continue to go up in spite of uh, having so many legislations and a very robust legislative system in place and some of the most progressive laws i don't think uh, india has some of the most progressive legislation on violence prevention but we do not see its impact on the ground yes yes and a final question that i would like to leave you both with is what are some of the unanswered questions or next steps that you'd like to take with your future work uh, abhishek we have been able to now demonstrate the fact that this model uh, is replicable so for example from a from a cell which was located in a small hospital like radhanpur with an opd of 350 a referral hospital in a small uh, in a in a in a block of patan district we have been able to move to we have set been able to set up a cell in a teaching hospital in a general hospital at sitpur and the teaching hospital at rad at dharpur medical college and to that extent to me the model is replicable however what we need to work upon is scalability and for that we are now in the process of developing sops as you call them standard operating procedures and then the challenge is for the government to accept it and make it make you know uh, where they have been they are signatories to these policies it's in the policy framework but in the on the implementation front we haven't succeeded as yet in the manner in which we would like to so that's the road map for us as to how do we get the government to scale up the model replication is already in place we have been able to say that it's been it's replicated poonam and jashoda thank you so much bahut bahut dhanyawad for joining us on research radio bahut kuch aaj seekhne ko mila hai आपका भी धन्यवाद गुनाले के लिए ओके थैंक यू वेरी मच एंड आई लुक फॉरवर्ड टू लिसनिंग टू दिस पॉडकास्ट वन टेक अवे आई हैड फ्रॉम दिस कॉन्वर्जेशन वॉज द इम्पॉर्टेंस ऑफ ऑफरिंग रिड्रेसल सपोर्ट एंड केयर सेंटर्स इन हॉस्पिटल्स फॉर वुमेन हुव एक्सपीरियंस वायलेंस दिस रिड्यूसेज द बैरियर्स वुमेन हैव टू ओवरकम एक्सेस टू सपोर्ट एंड ऑल्सो इन्श्योर्स दैट मेडिकल अथॉरिटीज आर हेल्ड अकाउंटेबल टू परफॉर्म देर इंटेंडेड रोल ऑफ प्रोवाइडिंग केयर एंड हीलिंग I hope you enjoyed that conversation and uh, if you'd like to know more about some of the data and statistics that uh, Poonam and Jashoda uh, discuss I recommend reading the article and I've shared a link to it in the description of this podcast it's not behind a paywall uh, next week we'll speak to Protiva Kundu about India's public education system teachers in the system are often criticized as being incompetent absent from classrooms and overpaid we'll investigate if this is true and discuss the landmark national education policy that was released last year i hope you tune in and if the topic sounds interesting to you do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts take care and i'll see you next week <laughs>